Boss Fam, thanks for joining us today. We are here on the red sofa with Greg Stevens, also known as DJ Nimbus, entertainment entrepreneur. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show, Greg. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> All right, so happy you could join us today. We want to talk just a little bit here at Real Talk Houston with Carlotta B. We're gonna to talk to you a little bit about your background. Um, if we could get to know you just a little bit, tell us who you are and maybe a little bit about where you're from, what city were you born in, where'd you go to school, just a little bit about who is Greg Nimbus? Greg Stevens. Greg Stevens. Um, I was actually born in Dothan, Alabama, at Fort Rucker. Dad Alabama? Was, yes, the countryest of country. <laughs> My dad was yeah. a pilot in the Army, so that's how I ended up there. Military brat, I guess they call it. Okay. Uh, moved to Fayetteville, North Carolina. Military. Ended up in Austin when I was five, so that's pretty much where I grew up. Okay. Graduated from Pflugerville, one of 12 blacks in a class of 574, yeah. so came from a very non-black background. No Pflugerville uh, well. Because mm -hmm. I'm old school. Okay. Pflugerville. Um, graduated in 92. Uh, went to Prairie View, A&M, so All right. did the exact opposite of, I guess, my upbringing. Your upbringing. Mm -hmm. um, both of those experiences have heavily shaped who I am. Austin gave me a very eclectic attributes, you know, because it's a very, they say, weird city. So a lot of people say I don't really fit in the Houston mold, so mm -hmm. to speak, because I did come from Austin, but then uh -huh. Prairie View, half of Prairie View is from Houston. So right, got right. a lot of Houston ways from my Prairie View years out there. Yeah. Austin's motto is keep, keep, keep Austin, Austin weird, weird yeah. right? Yeah. Pretty much on point. So that's yeah. pretty Good much where I for you. came, you know, came from. Okay. PV. Yes, My sister went to PV. I love PV. So as a kid, when you were growing up, you know how a lot of kids say, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a firefighter, I want to be a lawyer. Did you have any idea at that point? What were you thinking as a kid? I wanted to do everything when I was a kid, which is, you know, my grandmother, uh, rest in peace, she was a science teacher in Columbus. So being around her, she would buy me encyclopedias. Oh, great. It's gifts. I didn't get toys from her. That's great, though. I got a microscope. Yeah. Okay. So I always wanted to do science stuff. Yeah, yeah. Which, obviously, I went off to be an engineer. So mm -hmm. that was one of the things. But I'm also an artist, so I, I've been drawing since I was two. Wow. I got in band when I was in sixth grade. So it was like when you have a lot of different interests, you don't know that I'm going to be any one of these things. Yeah. Because you want to do something one day and then... You're, you changed Something your mind. Something else the next, yeah. So um, yeah. I had a, just a lot of music-related interest, um, and they all kind of are played out later yeah. in life. But yeah, animals, yeah. travel, electronics, mm -hmm. music, mm -hmm. art. Yeah, you were all over the board. Mm -hmm. Well-rounded, but that's good. Arts, crafts, And most of it came from my family. So after my yeah. parents are first-generation college people, so my dad okay. being an electrical engineer. I'm, okay. a I'm a mechanical engineer. Mechanical engineer. Uh, yeah. My grandmother being in a teacher, obviously education was important. Exactly. So uh, yeah. my dad, my family's thing was they wanted us to see things that they, they didn't get to experience growing right. up. Right, right, So right. we had traveled most of this country by the time I graduated. So the travel, I think, also shaped uh, a lot of who I am because yeah. I got to hear music in all these different places as well as right. see things that a lot of people from my family and just area didn't get to 
see at an early age. I didn't have right. to become an adult to go to the Grand Canyon. In order to travel and, and see the world. That's great. Um, I know you said you went off to be an engineer. You're a mechanical engineer. So mm -hmm. is that what you've done uh, the majority of the time until you got into the music industry? Or did you have a job after you became an engineer and got that job out of the way? And then did you have a job that you just hated? No. Well, the jobs I hated were the high school jobs. Cause everybody yeah, those. They hate those. Those are the ones I'm asking about. Right. I think um, we all have high school jobs that we, we got a job because we wanted the money, but we absolutely hated what we were doing. So yeah. do you have one of those jobs that it was just an absolute nightmare yeah, during I your high school period? Mr. Gaddis, because it was the first job. You know, it's like any job where you have to do dishes after the pizza is probably the, nas yeah, it's the nastiest it's the worst. It's the food that you can worst. leave on a plate yeah. and have to be the dishwasher. Yeah. So, mine, but it was the first job, so. Mine was, mine was Waffle House, believe it oh, or yeah. not. And I think I worked there for two days. And I was like, yeah, nope, I'm out of here. Not my thing. probably two months. So, so yeah, I couldn't by. even hang in there that long. So, how long have you actually been a DJ? 18 and a half years professionally. Whoa, really? Yes, uh, I mean, I've been, when I say in the music and learn, nobody taught me to DJ. So that probably stretched out some of those beginning years because I yeah. was trying to yeah. figure it You're out. You're figuring out how to do this, um, how to make it right. But once I moved here to Houston mm -hmm. and got laid off from my last engineering job, that's when I sat down and thought like, okay, to make money, what am I going to do? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. DJing was the second business I created because I knew it was not going to make the money that I was making as an engineer. Yeah. So yeah. one of the businesses that we'll probably talk about later yeah, is was my primary that allowed me to start yeah. the DJ thing. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. What was your first DJ gig here in Houston? Like your first big, real successful gig? I'm going to give you, you know twofold. Okay. Answer. Great. Great. The first gig which I'm going to say is the most monumental because it's what allowed us to be here, Okay, was at the house. It was called the house yes, on uh, Westheimer. Kamante yes. uh, and JJ, I'm their first DJ because they used to have just poetry. Okay, and, okay, um, uh-huh. I knew I wanted to be a DJ. Uh, shout out to DJ Burr because once I met him and he was doing some of the things that I was interested in, I was like, well, I could do it too. Mm -hmm. So when I went to them, I had no gigs, and I was yeah. like, I'd like to DJ here. Y'all yeah. don't have a DJ, uh -huh. and this is kind of what I think musically, and they were like, yeah. you know what, we'll give you a chance. So you took that initiative yeah. to make some things happen. And uh, so they are the reason that DJ Nimbus exists uh, right. as far as getting the career started. As yeah. far as um, big gigs, it's... I'm gonna say the big, the most influential that led to every other big gig to come after. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Frances J with Neo Soul Cafe. I DJ'd her I Got Soul music conference in Dallas. Oh, and nice. And that introduced me to all of the Atlanta DJs and Neo Soul singers and artists. Uh, Malcolm Jamal Warner was one of the hosts. Uh, Side Smith. Nice. I mean, so it was a lot of people, celebrities there. that were mm -hmm. in the industry that she put me in front of and that yeah. catapulted everything internationally and around the country right. because of that one event. Right. That was that's a blessing to be put in those positions to where you can use that as a platform to excel. So that's great. Um, as far as staying up to date with the latest songs, the newest trends, making sure you've got good and equipment that's 
stellar and quality. How do you keep up with all of that? That's twofold. Equipment, I mean, technology is always evolving, so. Right, right. I think any professional should always stay abreast of, you know, what's good and yeah. have a filter, because just because it's new doesn't mean it's good True. or valuable. True. So um, I obviously invest in a lot of good equipment to do my job better. It's not because of the trend aspect, it's will it allow me to give you a better product yeah. as a yeah. DJ. Yeah. Um, and that's something I wish a lot of DJs or even entertainers took that approach to life. Not everybody values it because it costs money. Exactly. But if it's a tool. But it's a it good helps investment. You make money. Good um, investment. Yeah. Yeah. Music-wise, I'm not really interested in trends because most of the trends are set by people who are not in music. And yeah. I'm, I'm a musician. <laughs> so. So true. Music, at its core, matters more to me than popularity or, you know, the radio, I don't even listen to radio because mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. radio is again run by people mm -hmm. who care nothing about what they sell. They're only interested in the money and all the periphery businesses the peripheral that benefit that from their product. Contribute to what they're doing, um, right, yeah. I study music, I, I go out and listen to other DJs because okay. I think you should learn in the field, just like on the job training. Right, um, right, right. That's part of why I travel as much, even if I'm not DJing, the fact that I'm around other greats in the industry, you should always learn from your peers. Yeah, uh, yeah. The internet is a blessing and a curse because now you can reach more, but there's more bad that gets brought in that you used to not would have been able to see. Right. So it's like yeah. opening yeah. a filter of trash, more trash for every little diamond that you find, f you know, yeah. in the rough. Yeah, exactly. Uh, most people aren't really looking for good. They're looking for popular because if they find what's popular, it might make them popular. Yeah. And that's kind of trying the, to jump on. And yeah. So yeah. be a trend maker, not a trend follower. Exactly. It's my philosophy. Be a leader, not a follower. Trendsetter. Yes. What's rewarding about what you do? What what makes you feel good about it? And then opposite of that, what aggravates you, if anything? Oh no, this is an aggravation. About <laughs> what you do. Um, the, let's go with the reward first. Yes. My biggest reward is seeing my influence in places and spaces musically in the city, because Houston yeah. is one of the most diverse cities. It is. Ethnically, but not culturally. Yes. Uh, we're, especially in the black community, very yeah. monolithic. The only thing that we know about is R&B and hip hop. Anything else <laughs> right. outside of that, we don't know what it's it is like, and we what? don't want it. Is that jazz? I'm, I'm a jazz lover. I love right. jazz. And jazz, I'm gonna say is on, is tolerable to the average Houstonian because it's somewhat familiar. Your mm. parents might mm -hmm. listen to it or whatever. Mm -hmm. yep. But anything outside Beyond of that, that even in its blackness, because most every major music ever made came from the black community. Correct, um, correct. There's a lot of pushback from that. So to see me start something that people used to ridicule and be like, you're playing weird music. If you played more of what we know, you'd probably do better. Mm. To see that now younger DJs have basically said, you know what, I like that and I want to go and take it and do it too. And yeah. you know, a lot of them in the, community see me as a mentor or a, yeah yeah so that's rewarding because yeah it's not something that says I did it but it's saying that I made a difference correct exactly um, 
That's the biggest thing. And the fact that places like where I'm DJing tonight mm-hmm. are opening their do- doors and getting outside of their comfort zones because we all know that Houston has had an issue with ethnicity being present in certain spaces or being devalued. And you want to let? You know, some places are choosing to uh, let that go because they actually see the value. Right, right. So, so you want to tell Boss Fam audience where you are tonight? I am at Uzo Bay in um, River Oaks Shopping District, 4444 mm-hmm. Westheimer from 9 to 1. Excellent food, beautiful environment, ambiance, amazing staff, a great experience, and the music. And the music. Can't say anything <laughs> more about that. But uh, having said that, what aggravates me on the flip side is yeah. we have owners that look like you and I mm-hmm. that cannot get past those first two things and are yeah. too afraid to offer this diverse city, diverse yes. offerings. Yes. I, so I fight a war not only against people being closed-minded, but also owners being afraid and thinking that they cannot make money unless you do what everybody else is doing. Right, afraid to do something different, think out of the box. And the reality Take is risk. all of the other business owners are making that money that you think cannot be made. Right. But then we turn around and complain about what we can't do, even right. though we rarely ever try. Yeah. So that's yeah. Uh, irritation. And then the other thing is just from the DJ level, me watching 5,000 other DJs not even get good at their craft because the only thing they're concerned with is just being like the next person who they saw that was popular versus either being original, being unique, and being good at whatever it is. Creating your own space and doing something different and establishing who they are, and yeah. Somebody told me something a long time, and I live by this. They said, if you chase perfection at what you do, you will more than likely become very good at it and become well compensated for mm-hmm. it. But so if you true. chase money, yeah. you'll never get good at what you do and you'll probably never get the money that you were chasing. I like that. you were chasing the wrong thing. Wrong thing. I like that. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. So very true. Um, so we talked about what you like. We talked about what you dislike. How do you engage the users in the room. How do you read people? If they're, you know, have you ever been at a gig and everybody was sitting down and didn't like the music? Well, in their minds, yeah. uh-huh. But how do you read the people in the room? How do you know well, what they like? How do you get them up out of their seats? How well, do you the, get them moving? Well, that's how I used to look at uh, DJing. Okay. But one thing I've learned in this career, and you, you learn as you go, is right. there's two types of DJs. Okay. Entertainer. Okay. Artist. Okay. If we book Sade to come in here right now and sing for us, mm-hmm. are we going to tell her to sing covers of Mary J. Blige or are we going to listen to Sade sing Sade? Sade sing Sade. Because she is Sade. Who she is. So That's right. she's an artist. She didn't come in here to be a human jukebox and sing whatever we command of her. Yeah. But yeah. DJs are not seen as musicians, even though some of us are. Mm-hmm. So. If I was hired to be a generalist DJ, then what you're saying is 100% correct because I was brought there to get these people out of their chair and make them dance. You know, we'll just say at at an urban venue, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm hired because the venue wants the vibe and sound that I provide and the interest of a person who 
doesn't belong is not what's most important. It's for those who do get it, not for yeah. those who don't. Gotcha. So you never penalize. Like most of my events in Houston have been house music. I okay. also have done neo soul events, yep. acid jazz, old school hip hop. Uh-huh. And each one of those events was themed to a specific music. Okay, gotcha. So if you came out to hear jazz, because I said we're doing jazz today, uh-huh. and someone walks in and is like, I hate jazz. I'm, I really want to hear Lil Wayne. If I turned off the jazz that you came to hear mm-hmm. to appease the people that wanted to hear Lil Wayne that probably heard it on the way over there, right. heard it where they came from, right. and going to listen to it where they're going, are you coming back to the jazz place that no longer... I came to to hear jazz. Right. So I... Probably not. Personally don't care about people who don't like what I'm doing. Yeah. 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 Because that's not who I was there for. Exactly. But I understand my role. If I get booked to DJ a wedding, well then my job is to make sure your wedding is what you wanted because that's mm-hmm. what you mm-hmm. hired me for. Tonight at Uzo Bay... They chose me because of the sound and the atmosphere, and that's what they want. Right. No different than a menu at a restaurant. Yep. You don't get to walk in and ask for something that's not, that's on, not the on the menu. That's not on the menu. You <laughs> choose you what's there, there, or you go where you're selling. You knew what selling. you were going for is basically what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, don't go to a steakhouse if you're expecting to eat uh, Mexican food. Yeah. or Yeah, yeah. Okay, perfect answer, perfect answer. Um, as far as mastering the, the necessary or required skills, um, how do you, is that, is that a hard thing to do? For you, it probably comes easy, right? I, I mean, think everything's work. If uh, you had a checklist for the average person that was starting out, I know for you it's a piece of cake. Average checklist for a person starting out, DJ, what skills are necessary? Do you have to have a certain ear? Do you have to have a certain comprehension of, of music? Do you have to be able to flip and flop between genres? What are the required skills for a top-notch DJ? A top-notch, top-notch DJ. Well, what are those skills? Should be. So here's the thing. Yeah, they should be. <laughs> Anything pertaining to music should have an understanding of music. So yeah, being yeah, I was yeah, in yeah. band, we were taught all the notes, the 12 notes yeah. of the scales. We were taught how to count music and how music is put together. Yeah. So one of the most valuable things that I had coming in, even though I didn't put the two together until later in life uh-huh. is I at least understood how music was built because right. a DJ's job is to manipulate music. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. most of them don't master it, but the mixing and blending technically as far as the beat, as well as harmonically making it sound good, right. not doing things like having two people talking at the same time during the song. Right. Right. Those are things that I think me being a house music DJ mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is more honed in because it's no person that listens to house music is going to allow you to be a bad DJ. Yeah. Because they yeah. are there for the music. Yeah. Where hip hop is a different animal. Mm-hmm. Now, the New York, the East Coast, and the other places that have had hip hop a very long time, DJ yeah. culture is very ingrained in that hip hop world. Okay. In the South, we don't really have a prevalent DJ culture. Yeah. We have DJs that are more just, we provide music that you want to hear, but Mm -hmm. it's not the art of DJing. Right. So if I was to sit in front of a group of DJs right now, most of them, if you asked them, would just say, as long as I had the songs y'all wanted to hear, that makes me a good DJ. Mm Because it's the same Mm -hmm. list off of 97.9 or one or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, for them, that's the bar. Uh Uh-huh. Where in the other world, 
okay, not only did you have to have good music, you had to probably show us some music we don't know and break music, not right. repeat music. Yes. Then yes, you yes. had to put it together uniquely so yours stood out differently from the other 20 DJs mm -hmm. who say that they are also house DJs or whatever. Right. Uh, so the technical aspect, I think every DJ should go to some level. If you were not in band, you need to go take some course, some type of course. in understanding how music even gets put together and works. Right, right, then right. the technology side, there are some DJs who, st I started on turntables, I mean, I'm 46 years old, yeah. but I had to evolve as computers came out and then instead of taking records out, now I'm taking a hard drive and a laptop and mm -hmm. understanding how it works and then yeah. how all the equipment that connects to my equipment works. Right. Because that's one of the biggest issues we're facing with my other business because I do sound and audio. I put in a lot of sound system in clubs. A lot of DJs tear them up because they do not understand how to operate mm -hmm. their equipment. Right. They and don't understand the functionality of... They damage yeah. other people's equipment. Uh -huh, so that's uh -huh, uh -huh. a big deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think those are the two biggest areas understanding the music and then also looking at where do you want to go as a dj do you just want to be the prom dj the party dj do you want to be a musician do you want to travel the world do you want to be the king of the playground where yeah. you live what perspective does what that is person your have? end game goal what where do, do you want to put the music because i think yeah. another shortcoming is situationally appropriate most yeah. djs are not multi-genre because you touched on be able to flip between be different jobs. Versatile. Mm -hmm. Right. Versatility comes back to do you want to be a subject matter expert, which generally make more money, mm -hmm. or do you want to be a generalist <laughs> to get more or less money? You can get more gigs, but you make less money per gig. Right. Uh, one of the things I learned in engineering is subject matter experts can command any price they want because yes, you have sir. to go to that person for that thing. You can't go anywhere else. Exactly. So that's one of the reasons exactly. I chose Your specialist. my lane mm -hmm. here in Houston. Yeah. Because if I told you I'm a hip hop DJ from Houston, so is the like ninety nine percent of every uh -huh. other DJ here. In Houston. Right. What sets you apart? Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, you like to fish? Love to fish. Oh my God. <laughs> I love to fish. Believe it or not, I am an angler. I love to fish too. Um, do you have a favorite spot? No, we don't want everybody flocking to the favorite spot. You might not tell me in my ear because mm. I want to come. But do you have a favorite spot that you go to? No. And is, the do you beach like is literally the beach line. The Gulf of Mexico, huh? From saltwater. I'm gonna say Laporte all the way down to Matagorda, and that's mm. a large swap. But I fish it all. Yeah. Yeah. Just being on the water for me, because I tell my mom all the time, if I'm showing up, fish are coming out. So yes. it doesn't matter really where I go. It's more just the scenery is why I'm going to different spots, not because I think one place is going to have fish and the other place doesn't, because mm -hmm. if there's water there, fish are there. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's true. But wait, do you like salt, uh, freshwater fishing? Or I grew up in Austin, so I'm... I'm you do both. I do both. I do too. Austin, when I grew up there, we would only, my grandmother, just to make this all make sense, my mom grew up in Cedar Lane, which is four miles away from Sargent. Uh-huh. Yep. So my I know mom where that is, is the reason I'm a fisherman because our family, on her side, that was our family time. Yeah. Was fishing. Yeah, all the yeah. cousins, aunts and uncles, we'd literally go down there and stay down there for forever. And as a kid, yeah. you hate it. But I ended up growing right. up to love it. To love it. Exactly. Um, but it I also made it. us close. 
Yeah, but that was bonding time. Yeah. The thing is, we only got to because from Austin, and you remember speed limit was low back then. It took like four or five hours. <laughs> it to took get. forever to get there. So <laughs> it wasn't something we were doing all the time. Right. So, yeah. in the meanwhile, Austin, where we grew up in North Austin, there's a lot of creeks, a lot of lakes. Yeah. So fishing in the neighborhood. And the hike and bike trails was the in-between. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So that's yeah. why, you know, yeah. fresh water, salt water, and where I live now, there's a lot of fresh water around. But yeah. once you start catching huge fish. <sighs> so that's what I was about to ask. So question. So when you're fishing salt water, mm-hmm. Gulf of Mexico, what kind of bait do you use? Does it depend on what you're targeting to catch, or do you just use the a certain the type bait, bait? The bigger the fish. So now I'm on... I'm trying to break the internet every time I go fishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I fish <laughs> with fish. Crappie, right? Or? No, no. no. Uh, for saltwater, I primarily will use either mullet, whiting, or sand trout, which most mullet you buy unless yeah. I go out and cast net it. Yeah, yeah. A lot yeah. of work. So I normally will buy shrimp, mullet, and shad. Yeah. See if anything's biting on any of that. Yep. If I don't catch anything, I'll use the shrimp to catch something, and whatever I caught, I you put it on You toss that back out, and chop it up, and no, toss it out? You don't chop it up? Like, so if you catch a fish that's like six inches long, you don't, you put the whole fish on the hook? Or I caught you a foot-long mullet that's Woo! about that big. That's a big mullet. I put him on there, and I flew him out with my drone, 800 uh-huh. feet, and dropped him out on the hook, uh. and caught a seven-foot stingray. <laughs> So literally, the bigger the bait, yeah. a small fish can't eat him, eat a fish that's a foot long, but a seven foot animal, that foot long fish is just yeah. a snack. Did you cut the line though with the stingray? Because no. those are poisonous, right? So how but did I mean, you get I've the stingray handled, off the hook? Well, that one was so large it took two of us t- to lift them. Ugh. Crazy guy grabbed him by the tail, but the stinger uh. is is not at the end of the tail, it's more like in the middle. In the middle. So he grabbed him by the tail and I had the leader and we literally lifted this huge thing out. Uh. With stingrays, their tail is not very strong, so if you put your foot on it, he can't. He can't do much. So okay. you basically okay. slice the stinger off with a knife. Okay. And then de-hook him and you let him go. Okay, So gotcha. that's pretty much, well, you gotta be careful because I've seen yeah. people get stung by. Yeah. But normally accidents happen out of carelessness. Well, we gotta do a fishing trip, so. No, we can do that. We can join you, yeah. We're actually looking for a boat right now. So, do you wade fish? Or? I wade fish, I okay. drone fish. I don't and like I, wade fish. I like fishing off either off of the jetties yeah. or Galveston Pier well, I was or just there yesterday. off of a boat. So, we the got boat, we. Boats are cool. I gotta I mean, tell the puppy because we biggest, gotta go. My biggest catch is. We're on boats. I have an 11 foot hammerhead okay. that I got in Miami. Uh-huh. A six foot sailfish and an eight foot sailfish. So I go out with Mark the Shark. Shout out to him. He's out in Miami. Okay. So when I go DJ, Mark the Shark, I go out with him for a half day and then go okay. do my show. But okay. here in Texas, so I got to remember that. I don't want to do that. Generally, pay for charters because I've caught big things just from. I mean, that seven foot stingray was from the shore. Yeah. I caught yeah. a six foot hammerhead at the Galveston Pier before they even opened the whole pier. Okay, you're just bragging now. I'm getting jealous because I want to go. But I didn't have to pay tw- but $12 to go catch a six-foot hammer. I know. I love Galveston Pier, too. Versus paying $500, $600 and wow. come back with the same fish that you got for 12 Amazing. Let's talk about Superior Auto Solutions and Stellar Drone Services. So Greg is also the CEO of those two companies. Tell us about your audio service and your drone service. Tell us. What is it about? So, what do you offer? The home theater business, Superior Audio Solutions, 
was the first business that I crafted after being laid off as an engineer when okay. I moved here. And basically, I've always liked audio stuff. You know, my love for music, that allowed me to hear it. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. when I was an engineer, I would hook up people's stereos, side hustle. Yeah, um, yeah. I used to work the first Best Buy in Austin when I was at Prairie View. Okay. So that kind of was the beginning. But I didn't know that I could actually own a business that would be like or be better than a Best Buy, where I could yeah. sell the product, mm -hmm. install it. So when I started this business, I went and got CDS certified, which is Custom Electronics Design Installation Association. Okay. They're kind of the be end all be all in this industry. So I yep. got certified to do this, to get formal training, because mm -hmm. I kind of knew how to do it, but formal training is a must. Correct, um, definitely. Started the business. My first customers were friends and family, and over the years, and obviously Prairie View is a great network, and I yes. want to give a shout out to everybody that has supported the business over 18 and a half years, um, at the very beginning, in the middle, and up to current. Yeah, But yeah. the uh, services offered are the equipment, obviously, mm -hmm. I design with my mechanical engineering background. If you want custom, the MTV Cribs type of situation right right um, I do residential and commercial so right. if you've been to bar 5015 okay that's my work Excellent. Uh, the Excellent. Stark room which is the former Ibiza lounge that's okay. one of my latest excellent um, working on the Savoy which is a turkey leg hut uh, venue that they're excellent. opening and I'm redoing faces right now all right uh, prayer view the bowling alley the uh, prayer view what do they call it Panther Center Okay. So my work has, over the years, literally grown because of the referrals, but it's in any capacity yeah. that required audio or video integration. Right, right, uh, right. Stellar Drone Services came to be because uh, as I travel as a DJ, obviously mm -hmm. go a lot of cool places. Yeah. One of my hobbies that we talked about earlier, I didn't mention, was photography. Ah. I've always liked taking pictures. Yeah. But as a kid, I always used to want a remote control airplane. But yeah. those were expensive back then. <laughs> yeah. Never had one. <laughs> those are so much fun. Could not get one. But one of my friends, when we went on a trip, is like, hey, man, you probably want a drone. And I was like, I don't want a drone. It sounds stupid. Mm -hmm. And he brought his out. And when I flew it, I was like, wait a minute. This is like a flying camera. Yeah. And I'm flying over a cliff looking at the back of a mansion in Mexico. Uh -huh. There would have been no way I could have taken that picture. Otherwise. I, like, I can go anywhere with this thing. You so I ended it. up buying one. Uh-huh. And then I turned into six. And then it's like, you know, just as a hobby, because as I would travel and DJ, uh -huh. now I'm taking the drone everywhere I go. Right. And I was like, right. wait a minute. I could probably turn this into a business. Right. Because people are paying for it. And then with my engineering background, there's the technical services that are offered yeah. 3D mapping of properties. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ortho mosaics. These maps where they're actually to scale so they yeah. can be measured. Volumes, uh, distances, area, things that are yes, important to construction. exactly. So I was like, oh, this hobby now amazing. has just opened the door for other things that I already yes. kind of knew how to do and had right. a background in. Right. So each of these things kind of shook hands and made sense. Because the drone came from me doing a DJ trip in mm -hmm, Mexico, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the DJing was allowed because of the audio business, because right. half of the DJ equipment is still audio. Right. So they're all related. Everything has come full circle and interfacing. All your careers are interfacing with each other, so th that's amazing. You can't beat that. Um, so that's wonderful. And Greg does great work. He did um, my movie room. 
a while back. So I'm very proud of that. So he's done an excellent job. Um, so why don't you tell the Boss Fam how they can find you if they need any of your services, DJ, audio, drone services. Let everyone know how they can find you. Okay, the easiest uh, for DJ Nimbus is at DJ Nimbus, N-I-M-B-U-S. Um, that's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Vimeo. So pretty much any social media. If you type Club Nimbus in Google, you will find all of my podcasts. I'm on every major outlet, iTunes, Amazon, iHeart, SoundCloud, MixCloud, and several others that have syndicated my shows. Yes. Uh, 28 million downloads on Amazing. My um, Amazing. That's it wonderful. House in Houston. Wonderful. So that's great. That's the DJ side. As far as Superior Audio Solutions is concerned, the website is superioraudiosolutions.com. And if you go to the contact page, you can email, email mm -hmm. me directly. From there, you can see all the services I offer, the products, and every photo on that website is my actual work. There are no stock photos. And I am also on Facebook with that for a business page as well. StellarDroneServices.com is the website for the other. Yep. I haven't made the social media for that yet, but all the work on Vimeo and most of any of the drone footage on my YouTube for DJ Nimbus obviously overlap. Yeah. So you can see that work in any of those places That's as well. great. So you guys have multiple ways to contact Greg. Reach out to him. Let's support our black businesses. And I want to thank my boss fam for joining me today. This month is officially Pepperfest. It's my birthday month. And my birthday so, month. And Greg's birthday month. So we will be celebrating boss style. And lastly, if anyone is doing their boss thizzle and you've got a compelling story, you want to come through the studio and sit on the red sofa with me, um, just go ahead and shoot me a DM. Get with us at Real Talk Houston. And we will see you guys next time. Thanks for joining again. And we're also on LDTV on Roku. So catch us there as well. Thanks a lot, guys. Peace out. Peace.